Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford, here at the start of our Financial Health February, where we are taking this month to think all about our finances, whether we are small business owners, entrepreneurs, side hustlers, or we're even just considering what we need to think about. Uh, you know, often I think we we are really excited about business ideas and, you know, serving our customers and how we can better you know, communicate with people and do our marketing efforts and all that stuff. But I do think if we don't have our finances in order, if we don't have a plan around our financials, we are not only potentially opening ourselves up to, uh, you know, tax issues and all that fun stuff, or, you know, we're thinking about small biz- business, but we haven't really thought about retirement, but we're also you know, really doing ourselves a disservice because I think we we get really nervous saying that we want to make money uh, when really we have every right to. So I think this is just such a, a fun, important topic. So we're really getting into it across the board this month. So today we're kicking it off with my friend, Jamie Bell, a lawyer behind thecontractsmarket.com. So Jamie was a former nine to five lawyer uh, and actually left the corporate world to kind of go out on her own to start this new business where she helps small business owners, entrepreneurs, influencers, creatives uh, with the contracts that they need to continue doing the work that they want to do. So, you know, whether you're an influencer trying to figure out how to have a good contract that actually works in your favor with a company that's trying to pay you, or you need a privacy policy for your website, and turns out you do need a privacy policy for your website. Uh, The same is true, especially if you have anything in e-commerce, you know, a whole thing for that. We talk about all of those ins and outs. And I mean, while it's really tempting to kind of forget about a lot of this stuff, especially as new entrepreneurs, you're like, oh, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. These are the kind of things that can become really costly mistakes if we leave them too long. So I think it's really just important to get yourself started, uh, you know, with everything in place before you start, uh, you know, really trying to build your business. And these are just really small things that you can do to better protect yourself, better serve your clients, and really set yourself up to actually make some real money. And I'll say for me, part of my money roadblock or mindset block has always been like a slight fear that I'm doing it wrong or, you know, oh my gosh, if I'm making too much money, like there's a chance, like I'm going to end up getting sued or someone's going to come for me or, you know, this isn't going to be right or this isn't going to be right. Like I shouldn't be making this much money because I'm not doing this professionally. And I think getting yourself set up legally with the right, you know, contracts and policies and stuff in place is one of those ways that you can kind of build that confidence and feel good about being ready to start making money, whether it's, you know, coaching services on your website or a blog that you're trying to bring in advertisers for. I think all of it can just be so, so helpful. So I thought this episode was just such a fun way to start off the month. Uh, Fun being in quotation marks, but let's be honest, so is most of the stuff we're going to talk about this month. All right. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation between myself and Jamie Bell. All right. Jamie, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I am so excited to have a a lawyer on the phone. I feel like this is something we all deeply, deeply need. So well, <laughs> deeply need, but nobody ever wants. So I'm used to that reaction. It's true. It's true. Um, although, you know what, the, the way you're doing lawyering now, I feel like is a lot more accessible and fun than, uh, you know, the, the, the personal injury lawyers that we all think of when we think of lawyers. So, uh, you know, let's, let's maybe start with uh, your background uh, as a former corporate lawyer who is now a van lifing contract expert, I'm gonna say. <laughs> Yeah, I had a pretty like common lead up to law, I would say. So went through all of law school and went to had to get the big job at the law firm in Toronto and kind of the whole way through was like, this is not for me. This is not for me. But I didn't know what else I could really do. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of suffered for about seven, seven years, I'd say, working like traditional law firm practice downtown Toronto in Ontario. And then um, actually, I started running a lot more right around that time, which probably a lot of your listeners can relate to like it was my escape and carving out some time to like actually think and be doing things that I really enjoyed doing. And so I actually credit like my transition into more of like my lifestyle now in in rooted in finding trail running. Um, I had always done a lot of like, not a lot, but like, I've always run a little bit as far back as I can think, like whether that was my dog up, I lived in Mono Center, kind of north of Toronto. 
and like ran a little bit through university, but nothing like trail running as I do now and that you do now. But um, yeah, that just kind of gave me the space to have some time to think about what I want to do. And then I did take that space and a whole bunch of things happened, but I ended up moving to British Columbia (laughs) and um, really focusing on like, what do I want to do? And I went through a whole bunch of different motions of like, maybe I'll be a coach of some kind, like a health coach, because I love fitness and health and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'll be a career coach, whatever. And um, then I just kind of sat back and think like, I don't actually hate the practice of law. I just hate the practice of law of how I'm doing it. So I really thought about like who I wanted to work with. And at the time of running, I was getting really deep divey into business podcasts and like the whole entrepreneurial journey and all of that. And I was like, well, those are the people I want to be working with. Like, those are the people that are, inspire me who have taken this leap of faith and started their own business and helping people in their own kind of way. So that's what led me into contracts market and my own law firm, which is Wild Coast Law. And I, those are the people now that I'm working with. So small business owners, mostly online, some in person, but yeah, it's kind of a weird threaded journey there, but... (laughs) I think that's such a great journey because I think what I love about that is, is this like you're kind of making this decision about like, oh, maybe I'll go into like health coaching or something like that. But instead you actually thought about like, okay, how can I use my area of expertise, like your zone of greatness to actually be working with the population that you wanted to work with in a way that still made sense for for you and, you know, for everything that you you already know about that you're an expert in. Like, like what a perfect melding of things. And like contract market, it, it's so, so smart because I think, you know, a lot of a lot of us solopreneur types, we're aware that we need some legal help on things, uh, but we also don't have very big budgets. Um, and I think you make it very accessible to actually like get these contracts without spending the the thousands and thousands on having a lawyer on retainer, like like a lot of lawyers want to be. Mm hmm. Yeah. And um, so that was a big push for contracts market. It was born out. I mean, like, to be totally honest, two reasons. I don't really want to be trading time for money (laughs) for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So there's a scalability to that business for sure. And then also, I didn't really like that feeling I was getting when I would give people a quote through my law firm. Um, and they, they were choosing not to hire me because they couldn't afford my like one-to-one rate. So this gives me a secondary option that I can often let people know about, mm-hmm. um, or that they find on their own. But I yeah. also think that there's this like part of me <laughs> when you're saying like, oh, use your zone of genius. I was, I think there's a lot of me that too, that was like, I have done so much work to become a lawyer. Like I can't quite give it up yet. <laughs> so a hundred percent. But there is definitely that aspect of like guilt attached to it, I think, as well. For sure. Uh, we're going to call it productive guilt in this case, productive though, guilt. where it's actually Thank like you. it's it's yeah for the best. And I mean, really, at this point, I think the cool thing is you've now established all of all of the more passive income side with with the contracts market that if you did want to go retrain to become a health coach or you wanted to go more in the life coach direction, you could do that and you still have this thing going. So it's not like you kind of now don't have to you don't have to choose. You you can explore those. I think you've set it up so brilliantly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, you're my hero. You also have a really sweet van that I'm very jealous of. So there, there is that. 633,000 kilometers on it. I'm really looking at your new van going, that sounds good. It's true. If we could just put like the interior of yours into the uh, exterior of mine, we'd have like one super sick van. Totally. <laughs> okay. Um, on the topic of entrepreneurs and specifically let's talk more in like the solopreneur, like small business. Like we're not talking someone who's trying to start out with like a $10 million. Like we're not seeking VC right this second. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're small. We're certain small. What are some of the major mistakes you're seeing entrepreneurs making that, you know, ideally you're hoping to stop? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. A big one that I see, especially in the fitness world is the gray lines between like a hobby and a business. Um, And that is where the liability for me, like freaks me out a little bit for those people, because, because you are in fitness, I put you in a class of high risk business owner. 
because there is a higher risk of if you're doing training programs that someone hurts themselves because of that, or you're running classes or don't get me started on retreats. That's a whole nother thing that unless you're a travel agent, you're actually, it's not legal to run retreats. Um, but yeah, so making sure that you're like very clear and that for me often means, um, getting your waivers in place a hundred percent, like, and not just stealing somebody else's fitness waiver. Um, in order for a waiver to be enforceable, it has to be really specific to the actual activity that you are having the waiver signed for. So if you're a yoga teacher and your waiver says, uh, risk of death might come from um, rock climbing. It's very likely, unless you're doing yoga with rock climbing, that that waiver is going to stand up in court because it's not specific and really tailored to the activity that that person's engaging with. And yes, it has to be broad. Like if you are running like um, a hiking program, like they might drown because <laughs> there's a river that you hike through and things like that. So Yes, broad, but also very tailored to the actual activities. I see a lot of waivers come through my door that are really general and broad and like, it's just, they're not going to stand up. So making those really um, specific is important. I love that. I'm so glad you started with that like gray area thing, because I, the number of, right now with this current like looming recession, I would say the number of articles that I see that are like how to start your like 10 different side hustles you can start. And the ones like if you've ever lost weight, you could be a nutrition coach or like, do you mm. like fitness? Be a fitness and like get your friends and do a fitness class. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, there's a lot of blurry lines. It's really interesting around the nutrition thing because there's so, if you're like a registered nutritionist or registered dietitians actually have the most, like the strictest regulations on them. I feel so bad for them. Not allowed to market. And then I see all these nutrition and diet coaches and it's just like, I get it. Like they're doing good work too, but there is this gray line. And I have this conversation with coaches a lot, um, like the typical life coach, health coach people who are dealing like anxiety coaches. I'm like, there is such a gray line that you are treading between therapy and coaching and um, probably outside the scope of this conversation, but like that kind of coaching, I'm, you know, definitely have your disclaimers and potentially talk to a lawyer. So that Um, actually is very much within the scope though, because I know a lot of women in particular are talking about doing more like mental performance coaching. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is sort of within the sport context, but we know there's really no way to just talk about the sport context of like mental stuff. So you are potentially treading into this like dangerous territory or murky territory. On your website, like this is one of the things I talk to my clients a lot who are doing this um, is like your messaging has to be so specific and not at all touching the realm of therapy and your disclaimers on your website have to be super tightened up because it should say on there, this is not a a substitute for therapy. You should a hundred percent talk to your doctor before doing any of this. Um, I've I get a lot of messages really interesting. I don't know what algorithm I'm in on Instagram, but from um, therapists and counselors who are now doing psychedelic group therapy coaching, and they want to know which like template for them works out of my site. And I'm like, a hundred percent, none of them like go to a lawyer and I'm not that lawyer. Like there are health lawyers now doing psychedelic work, you know, navigating those laws. And that is not something you should be using a template for. And so, (laughs) okay, blanket statement here. If you're using psychedelics in your practice, yeah, no templates. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you should, those are kind of the situations where I'd say um, you should be using a lawyer. But yeah, just circling back. So we're not too off the beaten path here, but um, yeah, definitely like being so clear on your messaging on your website and making sure you're not claiming to be providing anything that you shouldn't be providing. And that actually does mean making sure that the kinds of quote on quote coaching you're providing is actually not dietitian nutritionist stuff. 
And the all the flip side of that is if you are a nutritionist or dietitian and you're flipping into coaching, I would recommend talking to your regulate, regulating body about that. I'm seeing a lot of um, therapists, counselors, nutritionists, dietitians flipping into the group coaching model. And then there is this gray because there's more money in it. <laughs> and um, there's this weird gray area of like, can you actually use the N- ND or whatever the dietitian letters are on your marketing? Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just things to be thinking about if that's your world. Mm-hmm. Issue yeah. spotting, I, I like to call these kind of conversations. And, and those are the kind of conversations you should be having with a lawyer and somebody who actually understands that industry. Um, okay. Legal stuff, though, is very scary. You know, most people just sort of scroll right through any disclaimer, yeah. any waiver, you know, we're like, agree, 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 yeah. sure, Waivers sign my life away. Anything, yeah. Um, how... Any tips for people who just find all of that stuff and like I'm talking everything from like just your generic like yeah disclaimer thing to like you know I clench up when I see anything come in from the government to be totally honest if oh, if I get like a lot it's my bookkeeping like yeah I'm exactly uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like well we'll say like maybe for not 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 in the accounting sense but like legal yeah. stuff is just freaking terrifying how how can you like any tips for just getting past the like initial like clench reaction of like, I just don't even want to touch this. So I'm just going to put my head in the sand and just hope nobody sues me. Yeah. Ostrich syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say you're a business owner, so you have to deal with it. But also the moment that you start learning a little bit more about it, you'll become more confident in growing your business. Like it is this really interesting shift mentally that happens when you take ownership over it. It's like me and my accounting, like I know I need to do it. And once I start doing it, I'm like, this isn't as bad as it is. And I actually feel so much more empowered. Every time, every, (laughs) every single time. And wow, I shouldn't have bought that on Black Friday sale. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah. So I would just say it does lead to like this confidence boost and you will feel better growing and scaling. There is a little bit of like woo-woo magic. I think that happens when you actually start coming up in these like full on, like head first, go into it. Um, and you'll feel better scaling and growing a program out. So if you are, and then if you are getting documents and contracts from other people, you need to read them. Yes, the fine print is enforceable. And I it's really hard when push comes to shove as a lawyer for a client to try and get them out of a contract when their only excuse is that they didn't bother to read it. And it's, you know, it's like, well, there must be a loophole. I'm like, sure, if you want to pay for it, like... <laughs> If you want to pay for it, I'm sure we could argue this until the cows come home and maybe there is a loophole, but like probably your pockets aren't that deep. So I just had one actually with a tech piece of software that someone added for their business. They were um, a massage therapist and they wanted like to get reviews, like a streamlined review process. And it was like this weird software and a long contract and he wanted to get out of it. And uh, so we sent a demand letter because there weren't really clear cancellation terms. And they said no. And I was like, okay, well, do you want to keep fighting? And he's like, not really. I'm like, well, why, why'd you sign this in the first place? He's like, well, it sounded good, but I didn't really read it. And I was like, well, it makes it my job really hard. And then probably you're stuck with it. So the, the fine print does matter. So just take that extra 10 minutes and read through it. Um, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's funny. We had um I had Molly Cameron on talking about advocacy work. And one thing she was saying is she gets a little frustrated when people, you know, complain about the the number of deliverables that they end up having for a, a client when they sign on for, you know, contract work, whether it's DEI or just, you know, photo stuff or ambassador type stuff. And her response is always like, well, did you, is it in the contract? And they're like, well, well, yeah. And she's like, did you read the contract? Did you like think about like how much you were getting paid and how much work that was going to be for you? And oftentimes the answer is no, didn't really, mm-hmm. didn't really think about it. Didn't really think it through. Um, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, one I of those. I see that a lot with like sponsorships or ambassadorship mm-hmm. programs. Um, and, and on both sides, to be honest, like my partner does a lot of work for brand sponsorship and 
there are deliverables. And he also has been the person that has tried to organize people to get those deliverables in exchange for free product. And they send all this product out into the world for these ambassadors and they never get video images back. They never get product shots. They don't get the blog posts. Mm-hmm. So whatever side you're on, be, it should be very clear as to what those deliverables are. Yeah. And that's maybe a good kind of point as far as like reading the contracts. Cause I wanted to, to ask about that. I was going to ask later, but this is a good time um, on the note of getting contracts. I think deliverables are probably the really smart thing to look for first when you're, when you're reading contracts, especially it's actually when it is. the number one cause of um, topic of litigation actually for service providers. I literally just was talking about this on my Instagram yesterday because I was in a five hour contract course yesterday and the lady was from Georgia and she was talking about the number one things of her research that she sees come and cause of litigation is deliverable of delivery of services under a contract. So that is the number one thing that people fight over and whether it's unclear, whether one person didn't do it, it always comes down to number one, services, number two, payment, and number three, how can the contract be terminated? So those are going to be, I would, I'm going to add two more to that. The other is like, if you are creating content or any kind of unique work, who owns the copyrights in that? That's a big one, especially if you're doing posts and photos for brands. Um, and then the other one is like the big one that I see people mess up all the time when they steal other people's contracts is what laws govern the contract. It's so simple, but when people are stealing templates and contracts from other people, I see like the laws of California governing everything. And I'm like, you don't even live there. (laughs) You don't even live in that country. Why are you like, at least make that change so that you control what laws are interpreted. (laughs) It's bad news when you haven't you haven't even fully read your like fake template contract that you've like stolen yeah. from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the the point about deliverables being super, super clear on them. And a lot of brands aren't necessarily super clear on them when they give them to you. Like I've had to send contracts back where I'm like, this isn't clear whether you want like a 300 word thing or you want, you know, an 800 word article or is this like, you know, 6,000 words? Like... What are we talking about here? It should be like as a rule of thumb and it changes from industry to industry, but measurable, like we all know smart goals, like specific, measurable, attain, whatever. Um, the same holds through true for your deliverables. Like it should be very measurable in the sense that we know exactly when everything has been delivered and the contract, it's time to be paid for those deliverables. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be really a lot of gray space around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually on the, on the note of brand or assets, we'll say, so those photos, those videos, this is something that's coming up with a lot of content creators. And I think you actually just did a blog post about like who owns the photo, I think is like the title of the blog post, or it was something to that effect. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but a lot of, a lot of small businesses, we're talking about getting our friends or like, you know, the friend that's like really into photography. We're talking about getting him or her to, to take our photos, do we still need like what kind of thing should we have in place for that? Because I feel like I've seen that actually go horribly, horribly wrong in the past. Yeah. So in Canada, actually, and in the States, as a rule of thumb is the moment you create something unique, including a photo, the person who creates that takes the photo is the owner of all copyright in that photo. There are exceptions to it, mostly being employment situations or in the U.S., what's called a work for hire regime. Um, We don't have work for hire in Canada. So if you're Canadian and put that into your contract, take it out. Um, But you have to actually assign copyright in writing. So you can't, it has to be in writing. So that's why if you're creating any kind of unique work, like a photo, a video, a script, copy for someone's website, a training plan in order to assign copyright and allow any other person to be able to use that unique work. You need to have how that person can use it or how that copyright is assigned in writing. So typically, this is where it becomes really interesting because maybe, Molly, you're hiring someone to take photos of you Um, for your business. And then 
trail running Meg comes along and says, Hey, I want to use that. That photo of you is epic of you like running the Quebec trail hair can race. Can I use that in this magazine? Well, you're not the right person to give ownership and rights to trail running Meg. The photographer should be the one because it's very likely that when someone took a photo of you, you just got a license to use it for non-commercial purposes. Yep. And having it sent over to trail running mag would be commercial purposes and just outside the license rights. So that's like a very probably basic thing of how that would happen where an issue would arise. But if someone approaches you to use your photos of you, you really have to look at like first who is the owner of that copyright. And if it's a hundred percent, not you, like you have not been assigned all of the ownership, including moral rights in those photos to, like to you, you have no ability to give them to anybody else to use it. So it comes up a lot. A lot of people don't enforce it because they're really happy to like have the exposure, but um, it's very likely, especially because these mag, you know, just make sure that you're going back to the photographer. We want to respect our photographers and that's how they're making their living too. So the copyright stuff becomes really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there, is there a template for that, that we can use? Like, yeah. So it's all of those kind of ownership clauses are all in my services agreements. So I have like a, a brand photography one right now. So that would be for somebody doing any kind of photography for like commercial purposes. So mm-hmm. if you were to like, I get brand photos done by my photographer here on the Island and um, if she actually used a contract, it would say that I only get them for my personal use and use in my business. Um, it I, I can't sell them to someone else for money mm-hmm. and I can't let anyone use it. I can use it to like market on Instagram. I can use them on my website. I can use them for promotions, but then there's this gray area. Okay. Like I'm sending you a photo maybe for this podcast. Yeah. How does that work out? Like that agreement should allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not restricting me, but I'm not selling it to like Forbes magazine for commercial purposes or mm-hmm. not that they're knocking on my door, but you know what I mean? But there's yeah. a lot of gray area. So that's where like asking your photographer, making sure your agreement set this out, being really specific again about how those photos can be used or that video used. Okay, here's the deal. You wanna take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life. So convenient. And then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day, add time to your life with Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. Okay. And I think that actually leads us into starting our kind of quick hit that I wanted to do with you of what the heck do different entrepreneurs need? Oh yeah. Okay. So (laughs) I happen to know because I I stalked contracts market very closely to figure out, you know, what aligned here, but I think you pretty much have a contract for literally everyone on this list. Um, But I'd love it if you could just kind of talk about like why they need something, like what it is that they need and why it's important. Uh, Yeah, if you're just starting your business or you're in it, but you've been avoiding it, I get it. It's totally fine. Um, But let's start the right way now. So the gateway drug for any kind of tiptoeing into legal world is you definitely need a privacy policy. 
It is a legal requirement to have a privacy policy in Canada and the US and basically around the world now. And this is a weird one where it's actually, you don't have to just comply with the laws where you live. You actually have to comply with the laws of privacy for where your users are coming from. So if you have users in coming from the US or the European Union or anywhere really, you need to be complying with their privacy and security laws. So in Canada, we're also cracking down on this too. We're just always a little late to the party. So um, most privacy policies that you'll find drafted by lawyers or like my templates, for instance, they are all drafted with the highest security laws in compliant with those. So that's really good starting point. Um, and what does, when do you need a privacy policy? Basically, if you have a website or a landing page or anything, you need one because most people are collecting emails. And if you're not, you should be because it's just good business. Um, and then that's considered personal information. Also, if you're not even collecting emails, but you're using like cookies and tracking stuff, in the background of your website, which likely you are if you're hooked up for Google Analytics or anything like that, that is all collecting like user information, which is all considered personal information and in which you need to be having a policy about how you collect and use that. So this is where it's really important to use trusted website hosting software like um, or platforms like Squarespace or Wix or Shopify or, you know, something that's not like bobswebsite.com or something like that. I don't even know if those exist anymore. I'm sure they do. But because all of those platforms are built to be GDPR compliant, which is the European Union laws, and it makes it really easy to get your privacy-ish in order. So um, that's your starting point. And then kind of which holds the hand of your privacy policy or your website terms of use. So if you're collecting or selling anything on your website, whether it's um, physical or digital products or coaching bundles or online courses or whatever you're selling packages, you know, for yoga or whatever, um, you should have your terms about refunds and cancellation and all of that fun stuff that causes issues for people really clearly laid on your website. And then in that, you should have some terms around disclaimers about how people can and can't use that information because anybody who's coming to your website, your website terms of use and your privacy policy are a contract with that user about how they can be using and interacting with your website. So that includes like, hey, I'm giving you a free resource like couch to 5k marathon training plan or whatever. Um, if you're giving these resources away, how can they use them? Probably just for their personal use and they can't resell them and things like that. So that's where those website terms of use come in really handy. Then if you are having an online course, certain different course terms probably around refunds or anything like that should all live on your website, um, online course terms. And then if you're providing services, like if you're a bike coach or a run coach, you should probably have some kind of coaching agreement, um, services agreement with anybody who's giving you money. And then really at the end of the day, anytime there's like a relationship with somebody else, there should be something in writing. Mm -hmm. And I have seen this happen a lot because I do work with um, quite a lot of like fitness industry people in my law firm is like, we just have something against like, putting things in writing <laughs> and handshake deals are really hard. Even if it's like a trade or a collaboration or something like, please put something in writing because it's really easy way to wreck a relationship mm -hmm. to like have miscommunication. And I would say like 90% of the stuff that I see come through my law firm could have been resolved if something had been in writing and people actually communicated with each other before they resented the other person. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that just goes to relationships in general, to be honest. But, yeah, right. Good rule for life. <laughs> yeah. So and, I think if you just actually set out the expectations and get everybody on the same page from the start, you are going to be miles ahead when, when, or if a dispute comes up. Yeah. And I mean, okay, all of this stuff sounds terrifying. Uh, can you maybe make us feel better about the fact that like, hopefully it's actually not that hard to put into place? It's not if you like, 
spend a little time figuring it out. So if you're in a position where you don't have money to buy a template or to like a legit template, not like somebody steal it from somebody else's website or whatever, and, or you're not in a position to hire a lawyer, like for your service agreements with your coaching clients, for instance, just sit down and make a list of the things that you need to do your job and that your client will want to have from you and like start from there. Mm -hmm. I do really think that once you invest a little bit of money, it doesn't have to be thousands and thousands of dollars, but at least start with something that is enforceable (laughs) and that is consistent and that your definitions are tight and it just doesn't look like a mess. Because if you're trying to start a business and you send over this really unprofessional looking contract, then people don't take your business seriously. And then when people, when push comes to shove, it's going to be really hard to enforce and get your money. If you, if that's what you're looking for at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is kind of a really specific question, but as far as contract signing goes, Mm -hmm. are there any protocols that we should know about as far as like signing? Because most of the time you're emailing contracts and most of the time people are not printing them, signing them, scanning them. E-signing is like the way to go. Like just don't even hand sign anything if you don't have to. The same goes for um, waivers. But if you're collecting waivers for activities, you should have them like time stamped, which most e-signing... softwares will do automatically. Mm-hmm. And it just gets tricky when you're dealing with minors. So just make sure that you're having guardians and parents sign off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any e-signing things or um, softwares, that's the word, uh, that you you recommend or that you use? Yeah. I think there's a couple good free ones out there. I use Adobe Sign because I need Adobe for my business and that just, it integrates with all the like old clunky legal softwares that I use. Um, HelloSign is one. DocuSign is just like aggressive. So I would just stay away from it. Like I find when I'm reading DocuSign, I'm like, oh my God, am I like signing up for a hundred million dollar construction loan? Like this seems so (laughs) uh, aggressive. So there's HelloSign, um, there's, I think, like PandaDoc or something. I don't know. There's a few, but you can usually sign up. If you're only signing like five people a month, I think a lot of them are free. Mm-hmm. And then there are like really good client management softwares that I use. Like I use Dubsado, HoneyBook's another one that actually integrate e-signing and just kind of keeps everything there. So those are a bit more expensive, like overall client management platforms, but I find it helpful to manage like my business. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, I was going to ask about apps too. So I'll have to get to that at some point. Um, but okay. Now that we've kind of got those blanket ones in place, yeah. let's talk. If I'm say a studio owner, so I'm doing yoga or spin or something like that. What kinds of things do I need to be thinking about legally? Yeah. So definitely website terms of use privacy policy, because you're definitely having online signups and um, things like that. MindBody, like I know a lot of people use those apps. So just check the integrations there. Um, Waivers, 100%. Disclaimers in your terms of use, 100%. You're going to have contractors likely teaching your classes. So um, studio contractor agreements. But before you do that, know the difference between employees and contractors. Um, that gets people in a lot of hot water and you just need to know the difference. So I've written some blog posts about that, but I think everyone just assumes that fitness people are contractors and that's not always the case. And then at the end, like insurance, like please find yourself insurance Yes, because everybody doesn't want to pay the 500 or 600 or whatever it is, dollars a year for insurance. I don't know what it is. Like that's what mine costs. So I'm just going off that for my um, digital product business, but you need insurance and there will be a claim at some point, whether it's a slip and fall or a twisted ankle or someone's heart fails or whatever it is, um, get insurance. Yeah, absolutely. And actually the, the next one I had is the contracted fitness instructors. So I guess number one for them is figuring out, uh, are they actually contracted or are they employees? Yeah. And everybody. I think we're getting to a point too where CRA and everybody is starting to crack down on all this. We're contractors, but we we're really employees. You know, if you have somebody working 40 hours a week in your studio, you, they are only working for you. You give them like 
some benefits of working at the studio. It's not project, it's ongoing. Like that to me is starting to like, they just show up and you give them all the tools to teach at the studio. Like that to me is looking like an employment relationship. And just because you call somebody a contractor doesn't mean they're a contractor. So if you're, this is like putting off some flags for you, I would recommend reaching out to a lawyer. Yeah. Looks like a duck. Sounds like a duck. Yeah. Probably a duck. I think too, like just circling back to your question about like legal sounds terrifying. I think that the general trend in law right now is moving away from like the old white boys club and towards often I'm seeing a lot of law firms move towards like a flat fee basis. So especially if they're working with small business owners, like I do a lot of flat fee billing in my law firm just so that we can like all come to agreement as to budget and say, okay, you need these contracts for your business. I can do this for X amount of dollars versus that like terrifying hourly rate, which is definitely applicable in some situations when we can't gauge how long something's going to take. Um, but a lot of lawyers are moving to flat fee billing, which I personally love because then if it only <laughs> takes me an hour because I'm really good at my job, but I've built up all this expertise, then I'm still getting paid for the value that I'm bringing your business and not, and then the client's getting that value and everybody signs and agrees before we move forward. I love um, that. Yeah. And it, it, that's even something we've been talking about in terms of like coaching businesses and like any of that kind of stuff is yeah, shifting yeah. away from the hourly because it's, it's not really helpful for, it's not good for anyone really. No. And I feel like it fosters a weird dynamic because people think, Oh, how much is it going to cost me to get the advice that I need? Which, yeah, it's all a business. Like this is a podcast called the business of fitness, which I think that <laughs> probably people are listening to this or trying to figure out how to, properly run their business and having a, a lawyer who like understands your business and meets you where you are too, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I've drafted all my templates to be really readable. We're also like just seeing law move away from these like archaic contracts where you need like a, a doctorate in Shakespeare to understand them. We're seeing judges really not liking that. So I know all my contracts that I'm drafting and that I sell or right for people specifically, they're easy to understand. Yes, there is still going to be some legalese in there. We can't avoid it because those are certain terms that the courts have been litigating for eons and we know what it means and we don't need to go back and reinvent the wheel. But in terms of just making sure that some an educated person, you know, with a high school education can read and understand a contract, that's kind of where we're coming at now. I love that. And I think that actually speaks to the stop being so scared about reading the contracts. Cause I think a lot of us grew up sort of with the legal, like all of like the legal mumba jumba being like, it's like reading Greek, but actually, you know, I was actually just looking at a contract. I was like, Oh, this is not as like difficult to understand as I thought it was like, yeah. Why was I nervous about reading this? And hang on, I have a question about this thing. Wait a second. Yeah. And be empowered to ask questions. Like if a brand is wanting to hire you for an affiliate or promotion or whatever, like ask questions, because if you're confused about something and they don't have a good response to it, they probably are confused by it. And Lord knows where their template came from. Like as a lawyer who has worked for bigger firms who represented bigger companies, often the associate drafting the contract that you're reading has just pulled it from a, a file that was similar to the one that they needed to draft a contract for. And they're working from a negotiated template. So, you know, if something doesn't seem right, like we're not perfect, we make mistakes, things get passed along just because no one's read it for five years. So if something's not clear, ask questions because you need to protect yourself too, or at least understand the risk of what you're signing. It comes down to leverage sometimes, you know, like if Nike's hiring you as a brand ambassador, it's likely you have very little leverage to negotiate their contracts. Most lawyers go who are dealing with bigger companies or who pushing contracts from bigger companies have been told that there is no negotiation to the contract. So before you start hiring a lawyer to like go through and mark it up, ask if there's room for negotiation on this and what your initial converse, what your initial concerns are, 
before you dump 1500 bucks into a lawyer <laughs> reviewing it for you only to be heard from the company that there is absolutely no room for negotiation. So then your conversation with your own lawyer might look more like, Hey, can you walk me through the risk here and what my obligations are versus spending three hours redlining it? You know, there there's different value there for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think the other thing as far as like brands coming to you with contracts is Sometimes brands are like brands now, it's so easy to look like a really big brand when you're just starting out, thanks to like, you know, the power of like a good website or like a fancy social media presence. But I feel like a lot of the time, there's a good chance that the brand doesn't have, you know, a lawyer or a contract expert or anything like that coming to the table with this stuff. It's like five people working out of a garage, but it looks super legit. So. A hundred percent. And and like the amount of times that I've been like, Hey, who's your lawyer? And they're like, well, it's Brad, the marketing manager. And you're like, like, where did he get this template? And do you know that this absolutely makes no sense? (laughs) Does Brad have a law degree? Let me see Brad's degree. It's actually (laughs) usually a Chad, but we'll leave that there. Let's be, yeah, let's be honest here. Well, and on that note, actually, um, you know, the one thing I keep seeing, and I realize I'm a little more on like the freelance and influencer side of things, which is why my questions tend to kind of think in that vein. Um, But I get a lot of contracts from companies. Um, Should I be counter like handing them a contract or is my like main thing just to make sure that the contract they're giving me is good because I, I was listening to this podcast that actually like kind of pissed me off the other day because it was talking about podcast sponsorships and the guy was like oh yes you definitely should have like a lawyer like make you like a boilerplate contract that you would take to these big brands like and then he like give Home Depot as an example and I'm like I'm pretty sure Home Depot is not going to sign the contract that I give them so yeah the only time I can see that happening would be if you're like right now I'm seeing it a lot in like UGC like user generated content where brands or like Home Depot likely doesn't have a contract for them. They probably will very soon. It's just probably low on the priority scale. But if you're coming to them with like a very unique service, they'll probably still like have you sign their boilerplate master services agreement, which absolutely makes no sense. And 99% of their contract clauses don't apply to your actual business. And then maybe attach your form of services like schedule as a schedule. But I see this as like a race to like get the contract in front of the person. And it comes down to, again, leverage. Like if it's a, if it's something where you are like a highly sought after influencer and they will sign just to get you on board, then you probably have more leverage. But if you're, and I'm not directing this at you because you're- Oh no, if I'm me. But if you (laughs) are like one of a thousand people- that they're like throwing spaghetti against the wall and you're like, well, no, I have this form of contract, like sign my contract. And you're like, no, I have my form. They're probably going to the next person. So, you know, pick your battles over it. But I think maybe one of the takeaways from that conversation could have been if you have a contract that you are happy with, it could act as a checklist for you to go through their form of contract. Like I see this a lot with like, I'm hiring a copywriter, but I've got my form of um, independent contractor agreement and the copywriter has their form of service agreement. Which one do I sign? Well, it's likely the copywriter, it's their business and are going to want to have you sign their form of services agreement. But if you have your independent contractor agreement, you can use that as a checklist to make sure that it's covering you for certain clauses that you know you want to have in there. Okay. So that actually brings me back to what we were talking about way earlier about the deliverables. I think actually that's probably the thing influencer contracts or, you know, whether you're talking about podcasts or whatever, that's actually where you can have the most input is probably sending along like, here's what I think the deliverables for this project are. So they can maybe paste that into their template. But yeah, probably your own contract, not gonna, not gonna typically fly. Yeah, probably not the whole agreement, but definitely carving out the really important pieces for you, which would be the deliverables and who owns whatever you're delivering. Yeah, Because for podcast recordings, you want to be able to control that. For influencer stuff, um, you want to make sure that they can't take your small piece of comment or content, sorry, and if you've given up all the ownership rights to that, sell it and or use it as part of a bigger marketing 
campaign that they're making millions of dollars off of, but you're not actually getting compensated for the piece of content that's the basis of that campaign. So yeah. you're you're big on content creation. You have a fantastic blog. I mean, honestly, even if someone's a little contract curious, but like maybe doesn't really want to commit, I would say check out your blog because you have so much amazing content over there. I think I have like 30 tabs from you open right now, to be totally honest. Contract curious. I love that. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about your marketing strategies. Like what are what are you thinking about? What are you doing? What are you uh what are you what's what's the goal with all of the the really good videos? You've got some TikTok, you've got some Instagram, you've got the blog. Talk to me about your content. Yeah, so um definitely pretty active on socials and yeah, Instagram, I have a love-hate relationship with mostly because of, you know, the wheel of the hamster wheel of it, but yep. I also do really enjoy being on there only because I've made so many great friends on it. Um, and like the entrepreneurship community can be a little lonely sometimes if you're working at home. So I have made like really great community on there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And before we wrap up, let everyone know how they can follow you and find you on all of these places and, you know, get in touch with, you know, questions and figuring out which contracts might be the best for them, all the things. Yeah. So at contracts market on Instagram, and then, um, I'm always in my DMS there. So that is me. And then if you have, um, more specific legal things you want to talk about, then through my law firm at wild coast law, and other than that, I'm pretty easy to find, I think. So, and I'm always sending out um, information on my email list through Contracts Market. So, if you're wanting to learn more or let or want to know when more information comes online or other things that kind of pique my interest, my email list is kind of where it's where it's at. Amazing! I'm signing up for this this newsletter as we speak. I've realized I need to be getting on more people's newsletters because I, I am not following nearly enough people as closely as I need to be. So consider me me signed up and everyone else listening definitely should be as well. Okay. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much. This was so ridiculously, ridiculously helpful and not at all terrifying. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully that episode with Jamie really gave you a lot of food for thought. Uh, again, she's over at thecontractsmarket.com and I cannot recommend checking out her stuff enough. She has a great blog with tons of really important FAQ type things. I would definitely follow her on Instagram as well. Uh, she has some really excellent, really informational and frankly, just really fun uh, reels up there and just so much, so much wisdom as far as like all of this legal stuff goes. I mean, I think what we've kind of discussed here is it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be super expensive, but it does have to get done. And I think we really, uh, especially as small business people who are just starting out, kind of stick our head in the sand a little bit when it comes to these, having these privacy policies and e-commerce policies and contracts and stuff in place. But I think really, uh, you know, if you can get started on the right foot, that's going to really help you down the road. So hopefully you found this episode helpful and you know, join me next week for the rest of the next episode in financial health February. All right. See you soon.